Good morning, and peace be with you. Before uh, Bob comes up to do announcements, um, I was gifted something this morning, and um, you all pretty know pretty much. You know me pretty well, all of you. Uh, the people out there in TV land don't, but you know that I oftentimes carry a something, a little rag, and and so forth. And um, in the past, when I first got here, the ladies of the church embroidered uh, K, Pastor Ken, or something like that across and all that. Well, I have two brand new ones, and um, this is something that I've said in the past, and it, I think it's apropos. You let me know what you think, but it's on here, and it says, it's a prayer. Lord, put your arm around my shoulder and your hand across my mouth. <laughs> and <laughs> not today, uh, it, and not, not from there, of course, but every other time that, you know, that I, and, and um, I think of my dear friend DeForest Jones, and he shared a little wisdom to me, and that was that an old-timer told him, said, you know, D, if you thought about what you had to say before you said it, you might find that you don't have much to say. And I am forever grateful for that. And sometimes I listen to that advice, don't I, honey? Sometimes. But uh, anyway, so with that, we'll uh, carry on. Bob, would you come up and uh, enlighten us? Good morning. Well, that, for an intro, <laughs> I'll try and keep this brief. Um, first of all, Happy New Year to all of you. Um, we have, and as Ed reminded me, I want to get this in first because I don't want to forget. Fellowship will be inside on the TV trays, so it'll be just like at home. All right. Um, a big thank you to our worship assistants to faithfully serve us each week. Because of the gifts um, that you give us, um, and we have um, our blessings are, are manifold. We, we have a great service because of you. Um, we're grateful, and we wanted to know if anybody's interested in helping, there's always room for one more. Uh, missions. Uh, this month, we are going to send our financial support to Lutheran Social Services, and they're in Fullerton. I think most of you are well acquainted with them. Uh, sit and be fit, going to be on Tuesdays, as always. Uh, Bible study, um, I think you ladies and Pastor Ken know all about that one. It's at two, 10 a.m., um, I'm sorry, at noon. And then the RLC prayer meeting is going to be this Wednesday. Uh, we are meeting at 11 a.m. to pray for the church and each other. All are welcome. Bring your Bible. Men's Bible study, I know the men are all aware of this because we talk about it all the time. Um, <clears throat> every Saturday at 8 a.m. we meet in Pastor Ken's office. Uh, we're hoping to make it so big that we have to move out, but it hasn't happened yet. So all men are welcome. Um, the, this is a big one. Annual congregational meeting. Mark your calendars. Our annual meeting is set for Saturday, January 21st, 2023, at noon in the Fellowship Hall. We will have lunch together, um, followed by a meeting about 1245 or so. If you have, a mem if you have any questions, please ask one of us. Um, one of the council members uh, about it. And then <clears throat> also the homebound. Uh, please consider sending notes and or calling our members who are homebound. There's an updated list of names and their contact for information on the table is in the narthex. Thank you. And um, before we uh, get started, I want to welcome Diane again. Thank you for coming to play and lead our worship. Uh, our opening hymn is going to be in uh, the Lutheran Book of Worship, the green book there on page 51. We're going to do verses 1 through 4. But before we get started, um, I forgot to say I got a, a little bit of really wonderful news, and that is that our Jane um, is feeling much, much better. And um, that uh, she had to leave early at the um, uh, service uh, last week. And she's um, been on her antibiotics, and she's right as rain in her old self, I heard, as of Thursday. So I want to thank Daryl and Louie for um, informing me and, and keeping us up to date on that, and thank you for your prayers. And that's what makes this church unique, is that, uh, you know, 
everybody knows everybody and, and is taking care of people. So that's, I'm grateful for that. You are a remarkable shepherd, so thank you. Okay, Diane. come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above, and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, 
and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Let us pray. O God, our Maker and Redeemer, you wonderfully created us and in the incarnation of your Son yet more wondrously restored our human nature. Grant that we may ever be alive in him who made himself to be like us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. In case I didn't greet you earlier, Happy New Year and peace be with you. We will look at your Bible, if you would, on 1160, where we will be reading the book of Isaiah, chapter 63, verse 7 through 14. Verse 7 through 14. I will tell of the kindness of the Lord the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses, he said, surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Yet they rebelled and grieved 
his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy as he himself fought against them. Then his people recalled the days of old, the days of Moses and his people, where he, where is he who brought them through the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who set his Holy Spirit among them, who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand, who divided the waters before them to gain for himself everlasting renown, who led them through the depths. Like a horse in the open country, they did not stumble. Like cattle that go down to the plain, they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. This is how, this is how you guided your people to make them for yourself a glorious name. Please join me as we uh, read responsibly Psalm 111, printed in your bulletin. Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. His cause is wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, give them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All, all his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Fear the Lord, the king of wisdom. All who fear precepts good understanding. To him belong eternal praise. Next we turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, found in your Pew Bible on 1813 in the Pew Bible. If you'd like to follow along. Four. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Matthew from the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. 
Our gospel this morning is indeed from St. Matthew, and it is uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23, found on 1498 of your Pew Bible. Matthew records, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. And stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, and he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, and where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Now when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. And then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up. And he took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel, where he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father, Herod. He was afraid to go there, having been warned in a dream. He withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went, and he lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because nothing good comes from any other source. Human beings, you and me, have this tendency to downplay the brutality of this sinful world. And we even have a a nostalgic tendency to romanticize things from Time to time, we find ourselves talking about the good old days. And very often, a careful examination of reality shows that the good old days were not actually that good. Yes, there are things about the past that we miss. We remember those things And then there are the things about the past that were absolutely horrible. And we tend to forget about those things. The past that we remember is only a partial memory. The the full reality of the past teaches us that things were just as brutal in the past as they are today. In fact, a a careful examination of the church calendar during the 12 days of Christmas is really a good antidote to uh, the romantic nostalgia that we might have about the early church. Our image of the first day of Christmas has this image of of a pristine baby Jesus in this cute little manger in this very European style stable. We forget 
that Jesus made the same trip down the birth canal that most babies make. We forget all the bodily fluids involved in childbirth, not to mention the pain and the hardship on both mother and child. And there was no epidural back in those days. There was no blanket warmer. And the birth of our Savior was just as messy and primitive as the birth of any other child during that period of history. And then in the calendar, the day after Christmas, December 26, that's St. Stephen's Day. That's the commemoration of the stoning of Stephen. He's the first martyr of the young New Testament church. We sing, good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen, and it kind of sounds Christmassy. Well, it is the second day of Christmas, which also happens to be the day that we remember that people threw stones at Stephen until he died. And then the fourth day of Christmas, it happens to be the day we remember all the boys who died in Bethlehem. And that is the order of, of the Herod the Great. It is the commemoration of the slaughter of the holy innocents. And then, of course, today is the eighth day of Christmas. It's the day of circumcision of our Lord. And although it is not as uh, violent as some of the other days following Christmas, it's still, it's still the shedding of blood. And according to the church calendar, the 12 days of Christmas are a very bloody time. In today's gospel... The account of Herod is absolutely horrible. The horrible murder of boys, the boys of Bethlehem. And this event will forever brand Herod the Great as one of the most cruel kings in any biblical account. We talk about Herod the Great every year at this time. The Roman occupation well, they placed him on the throne in Jerusalem, even though he was not a Jew. And the Jews hated him for that very reason. And, and for that reason, his paranoia served him well as a ruler of people that hated him. Now, ordinarily, Herod's paranoia wouldn't have been of any consequence to uh, a poverty-stricken couple like uh, Mary and Joseph. He wouldn't even have given them a second thought. He would have ignored them. But Herod was near the end of his life, and it's likely that the dementia of old age had begun to take its toll, and that the dementia of old age, as we many of us have experienced, witnessed, um, has a tendency to amplify character traits. Oftentimes, nice people get really sweet. And oftentimes, cranky people get really belligerent. And paranoid dictators like Herod become psychopathic killers. Now, history tells us that Herod guarded his monarchy with ruthfulness. He if he thought that you were a threat of some sort to his throne, he ordered your death. He ordered the death of family members, including wives and sons and faithful servants and the like. His order to kill the baby boys in Bethlehem was not an isolated incident. It was part of what life was like in Israel under the rule of Herod the Great. And so when the Magi entered Jerusalem inquiring about a newborn king, man, all of Jerusalem must have flipped out. Because the last thing that they ever wanted was another claim on Herod's throne. And they knew Herod would get upset, and they, they knew that his question this question would trigger Herod's demented paranoia, and they knew that when Herod was upset, people died. 
And so the slaughter of innocent boys of Bethlehem by Herod's order is one of the saddest events in history. But the truth is that we can't really say much has changed since then. Let me ask you this. How many times have we stared at our video screens in shock as another reporter has to tell us about another gunman who entered a school and killed helpless students and teachers? How many times do we hear about Islamic death squads decapitating their enemies? How often do we hear about another dictator wiping out towns and villages that supported maybe a a rival ruler? How often do we hear about more than 3,000 babies killed by abortion in the abortion industry in this country every single day? Over 50 million were killed in the United States alone since the ruling in Roe v. Wade. We don't really hear a whole lot about Roe v. Wade. We do now a little bit, but it was swept under the carpet for a whole lot of years. Could it be that our nostalgic tendency to romanticize things is in denial over the worst atrocity of our time? Could it be that we are all too ready to condemn Herod while we deny the atrocities of our own society? Every day, our country kills more than 150 times as many babies as Herod did in Bethlehem, perhaps even 200 times as many every day. If we condemn Herod, then if we're to be honest, we must condemn ourselves as well. In fact, we must say that we deserve 150 to 200 times more the condemnation that Herod deserved for just one day's killing in the abortion mills of the United States. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 1 through 4, Jesus said this. He said, Judge not, lest you be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? And it is with these words that Jesus teaches us that we are we're just as bad, just as evil, as the people we condemn. Just as we are quick to condemn others, we are also quick to rationalize ourselves. The fact of the matter is this, that we are all little Herods when we come into this world. We are selfish. We are survive at all costs little dictators. And then in this psalm of repentance, King David writes, Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David's words mean that at the instant of conception, each and every one of us was already deserving to go to hell. That is what the sin that we inherit from our parents does for us. And furthermore, our sinful nature only makes us or makes our pile of sin higher and wider as time goes on. And how fortunate it is. How fortunate it is that Joseph obeyed the angel in his dream and he took the Christ child and his mother to Egypt. 
Ultimately, Jesus retraced the trail of his ancestors the time long before when another Joseph brought his father Israel and the rest of his family to sanctuary in Egypt. And later, after Herod the Great died, Jesus would follow the trail that his ancestors, the children of Israel, took back to the promised land. And eventually, Jesus stood trial before Herod and Tapas, the son of Herod the Great, the Herod the Great that tried to kill him in Bethlehem. And after the trial, Jesus finally did die. Now, he did not die in Bethlehem at the command of Herod. Instead, he died when he finished his mission here on this earth. He died after he had led a perfect life, and he had taken our sins to the cross. He died as God's sacrifice for our sins. He died at the time God established, and not at the time that Herod established. He died only after Jesus himself said, it is finished. Now Jesus not only died according to God's timetable, but he also rose according to it, and he ascended into heaven. His, his resurrection and ascension mean that all who have faith in him Men and women and even infants will spend eternity in his presence. And in spite of the pile of sin that you and I have produced, God is with us. Our sin is great. His love is greater. And it means that when we die, God is with us. It means that God is with us for all of eternity. And from an earthly point of view, Herod the Great appeared more powerful than Jesus. Herod was the absolute monarch of Judea with the authority of the Roman Empire to back him up. Jesus was the child of poverty. He had a few earthly resources. Even so, Herod couldn't touch him. And God's plan overrules all other plans. God has a definite timetable for his son, and no one can change that. And God preserved his son from Herod because the time was wrong. And on the other hand, he did not spare his son when the fullness of time had come. A God who will do that, a God who will do that, will also graciously protect us from all evil and preserve us in the one true faith of life everlasting. In the name of Jesus, amen.
you please stand if you're able? Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray to God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, His Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Father, thank you for hearing our individual prayers brought before you daily, and for hearing the prayers of our congregation each Sunday as we worship you throughout the year. We know that your will is perfect, and your answers are always what is best for us. You already know that we're impatient and short-sighted and that our limited understanding and foresight leads us to frustration when what we ask for is not immediately forthcoming. Sometimes our frustration leads us to question your love for us and perhaps even doubt your existence. We humbly apologize for our feelings. Satan knows our weakness and takes advantage. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reinforcing our faith and showing us the love of God the Father, even when we doubt. Thank you also, Holy Spirit, for pastors like Pastor Ken, who constantly instructs us in your law and saving gospel of Jesus the Christ. Without faithful pastors, we could be easily led astray into trusting ourselves, our government, or whatever trend is politically correct today. Holy Spirit, we're thankful and pray that you would continue to shine light upon those around us who perpetually lie and are otherwise deceitful. Without your light of truth in Jesus our Lord, we would be led towards perpetual darkness. Thank you for reinforcing our faith when we are tempted to drift off the path to eternal salvation. Eternal Father, as we enter a new year in our measurement of time, we give you thanks for carrying us through 2022 and its significant challenges. Although we can expect problems to continue in the coming year, especially attacks upon our faith in Jesus by secular society, we praise you for protecting us and encouraging us to trust in you. We also praise and thank you for calling to your service those around us who shine a light of compassion and care for the least among us those Jesus identified as belonging to him. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding us in Holy Scripture that when we ask to aid less fortunate, the sick in mind or body, and the lonely or desperate, our actions demonstrate love for you. Because we are often surrounded by darkness, we fail to see the light of your servants among us. We celebrate the light and charitable spirits of members of our small congregation, who with those among the nearly 400 motorcyclists wearing Santa outfits, brought joy and Christmas gifts to children in a nearby group home. Each of these servants demonstrating true generosity and a charitable spirit without fanfare or official notoriety. We also give thanks for touching the hearts of others within our congregation who take time out of their busy lives to care for our shut-ins, the lonely, and those in despair. 
Holy Father, thank you for all of our children. We thank you also for encouraging those with young children to share this blessing with others who have no children or seek to be around youngsters and their laughter to lighten the load of separation and solitude. We give you thanks, Lord, for all whom you have created to seek professions in medical fields, those who you call to heal others. We give thanks for those who mend broken bones, broken teeth, broken bodies, and broken spirits, as well as those who nurse people back to health. Thank you, Father, for those who choose professions that serve others, like firefighters, police, paramedics, and military members, all who place the needs of others above themselves. Lord, we pray for safe travel during this holiday season. Please guard our, our loved ones as they visit family and friends to celebrate the birth of your only Son, our Savior. Thank you, Lord, for the gentle rains you have provided to our drought-thirsty land. We pray for the safety of those in the Midwest and Northeast who have been impacted by severe winter storms. Holy Father, thank you for this wonderful congregation of believers in Christ and our pastor who leads us in the one true faith. Please keep us healthy in our minds and bodies and strong in our faith, especially as we face the trials of disease and uncertainty in our everyday lives. Regardless, thank you for the certainty of our future with you. Thank you for your King David reminding us in Psalm 23 that though we are today walking in the valley of the shadow of death, that you are with us, you comfort us, and you save us. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, in the wonder and mystery of the Word made flesh, you have opened the eyes of faith to a new and radiant vision of your glory, that beholding the God made visible, we may be drawn to love the God whom we cannot see. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy. in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. We believe that this is the true body and the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. While we do not ascribe to transubstantiation where it becomes the actual blood and the actual body, we do believe that Christ is in the elements as he promised. He is above and below and throughout it. That we are getting a taste of Jesus through these simple elements. He uses word. He uses these elements. He uses your faith in the Holy Spirit. And in this sacrament of the altar is found grace upon grace. It rescues you from sin, death, and the devil for all who believe. So if that is your confession, come. The table is prepared. The ushers will bring you forward.
I'm so very grateful for you all. I'm grateful to be your pastor and your friend. And uh, I'm grateful for a new year. As we celebrate a new year, let us also be mindful that his mercies are new every day. And that's a good thing. Now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Serve the Lord.